Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDK. Yeah, Doug and Jess are here. Plus, we'll be talking trees in just about 30 minutes with the good folks at Davy Trees. Right now, though, if you're the 10th caller, you want a gift certificate from Sorgo, that incredible location in Wexford, right off the exit. All you need to do is be the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. And as always, if you want to talk to Doug and Jess about anything that is gardening, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, Instant Access, KDKRadio.com, and Right Automotive, the text line, the best deal in town. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning, Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. And I am horticulturist Jessica Walliser. We've got Davy Tree coming up a little later, and Jess, you're going to be on the road here coming up, right? Yes, uh, I will be at Sorgles. Speaking of Sorgles and the giveaway that we uh, have every Sunday morning, I will be there on Thursday, May 17th at 7 p.m. as part of their education series, and I'm going to be teaching about container gardening, which happens to be the topic of my latest book, Container Gardening Complete. And you can come and hear this lecture. It costs $5 and you do have to pre-register, but you get a $5 coupon to spend at the garden center there. So essentially it's a free class because you know you're going to buy plants when you're there anyway. So I hope that you will come and see me on May 17th. You can give Sorgles a call to sign up at 724-935- 2090 or visit their website at sorgles.com. And keeping the sorgles train going today Woo-woo. at Sorgles, I did a story about the, uh, it's, it's happening today, the 50th anniversary of the Allegheny chapter of the North American Rock Garden Society's Rock Garden Plant Show and Sale today from 9 to 11. There's going to be three presentations, uh, lots of, I think, 100 hardy perennials for sale, lots of cool stuff, stuff out of their garden uh, there at the National Aviary, lots of cool stuff. You should stop by there today. Be a cool thing. And yesterday was National Naked Gardening Day. Uh, did you participate? I did not. Uh, I was a little busy, but uh, I saw lots of pictures online. You know how hip I am with my social media. And uh, I was just thinking, <laughs> what would be the top 10 reasons not to, not, to participate. not to be naked in the garden? And the first one I came up with was raspberries. So let's go back and forth. Oh, that's a very Mine good. Is raspberries, what would you... I would say uh, pruning saws. Poison ivy. Mosquitoes. <laughs> roses. <laughs> um, uh, multiflora roses. That's another one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did say poison ivy. What else? Uh, stinging nettle. Well, you know, we, oh, we, could, we could really turn this into a garage. I got the, no, I got the number one reason. Oh, right, your neighbor, it? your neighbors. That's a good reason. But no, the number one reason is ticks. And they are back again. Mm-hmm. And I, we would like to implore all gardeners out there, no matter where you live, when you go out to garden or even you go on a hike in the woods or whatever, 
please do a tick check when you come back in. We were with friends last night. The kids were outside, and one of their little boys had five ticks on it just after being outside in the woods at their house for a few hours. So the only way to safeguard yourself is, you know, long pants, long sleeves, uh, you know, an insect repellent if you can. Ideally, one uh, I like the ones based on oil of lemon eucalyptus. And then do a tick check every single time that you spend time outdoors. And that is the only way to protect yourself. And these little guys are so tiny. They're the size of a poppy seed. And in fact... Oh, um, a deer tick. Uh, they, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And oh. they, they're the ones that transmit Lyme. Yeah. And their little boy, the little boy that had all the ticks uh, on him last night, has had Lyme's before. Um, in He's only a grade schooler. So... Oh. You know, this is something that you have to be incredibly careful of and take very, very seriously. It shouldn't keep you out of the garden, but you do need to keep yourself safe and you do need to check yourself. Boy, it's nice to see everything greening up. Oh, amen, isn't it? The leaves are coming out on the trees. Kind of end of the daffodil season as it got hot there. You know, Mm -hmm. get the late ones left. But, oh, it was a great daffodil season. And my peas are got to be, geez, eight inches tall already. And, uh, you know, onions and garlic and greens are out there. Uh, It's just wonderful. And the weeds. I saw lots of garlic mustard blooming in my property, so I was pulling that yesterday. I finally got most of the mulch spread. Uh, We taught my son how to drive the tractor yesterday, so he was helping us helping me uh, spread the mulch. And so we almost had that done. And I had a, a moment of channeling Doug just for a few moments <laughs> after I had been spreading mulch for hours and I had one bed left and it was weedy. And I started to throw the mulch on top of the weeds, right which on is top a of the weeds. big no-no. <laughs> you, you need to pull the weeds out first. And I started doing it and I had to stop myself. I said, no, you're not Doug. You're Jessica. You need to weed the bed first. And so I stopped myself weeded, and then finished the mulching, but did channel you for a brief moment. Are you guys this alert, like at your own breakfast table at seven o'clock in the morning, like during the week? Are you? No. I didn't think so. No. Because you're just so energetic when you get here. That's no, good. We're faking it. I figured. All right, listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to know if you would like to talk to Doug and Jess, because we've got wide open phone lines. All you got to do is call us at 866-391-1020 or dollar bank instant access, kdkradio.com, and you can text us on the right automotive line, the best deal in town. Short break, quick messages, sports, Coons Quality Foods, and then we're right to your phone calls with Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace. This is your Organic Gardeners on KDKA Radio. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, let's say hi to Brad and Clarion. He joins Doug and Jess on the Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Good morning, Brad. Good morning. Good to hear you guys on the air again. <laughs> uh, I had a question about a rose bush I have out here. Uh, every year... That- just so flourishing, got full of roses, and uh, looked like there was no room for another rose on it. Here I was out mowing my yard yesterday and looked over, and there it was about half dead. Well, maybe three-quarters dead. There was only one living branch on it. And uh, so I went out there and trimmed it all down, but there is new growth coming up from the roots. Do you think that thing will flourish again? 
Yeah, I mean, it was a tough year for roses because and we for had lots of things. Yeah, it was a tough <laughs> including the human beings, right? We had the the weird. It would be super cold, and then we had a warm spell, and you know, probably some sap, sap started flowing in woody plants like that, and then then we had another cold spell. So a lot of times you do see more dieback uh, on roses in years when that type of weather pattern occurs. Uh, you did the right thing in pruning off anything that hasn't produced buds. Now, by this point, is not going to produce buds. So trimming that off was a good idea um the only i don't know what type of rose it is but if it is graft a grafted rose that was grafted onto a different rootstock and you're seeing that new growth occur from below the soil line so shoots are coming up actually out of the ground you might find that the rose that you have flowering this year is actually different than the rose you had before because it's i I know i hope not too but sometimes with those scarlet red okay rose bush i call it got you well it'll be interesting to see because if the whole uh, shoot system has died off that top stock has died off and you're getting growth from the root stock it could be a totally different rose so it'd be interesting to see it could be beautiful and then though. if you have top growth though and the bottom growth you'll have two different roses sometimes that happens as well where you have it looks like you're like wait a second why do i have two different things so it's, it's the world of horticulture always has surprises how's that all right, guys. Thanks, Brad. Let's Thanks, go. Brad. Let's take care of some text messages uh, starting to come in a little quickly here. Um, where is the very first one? Here we go. It says, uh, "Hey, Rob, uh, how about a grass that develops and grows to about three inches mature and lives its natural life without growing any higher? Any thoughts?" That's- uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, uh, plant some of that for me, would you? Yeah. Well, it exists. So there's um, a couple of great companies that produce these uh, these grasses for lawns, these turf grasses that don't get exceedingly tall, and they're called low mow mixes, right? So that you don't have to mow them as often. And I would suggest that you go to a couple different websites. There's one called Pearl's Premium. Pearl is in, you know, like a pearl. Pearl's Premium. And there's another one that um, the, uh, uh, there's a, what's Miriam Goldberger's wildflower farm called up in Canada? Uh, Miriam Goldberger's no, wildflower it's farm. A, I'll have to look up the name of this. In Canada. Um, but you would want to look up a low mow lawn mix and you will find the different varieties that are recommended you still for that. Have to cut it you have to cut it but you only have to mow them once or twice a year like they're it, they're really seriously super easy it's no different than i do now so yeah, what's, well, the, what's the big you deal are, you are your your own animal when here's it comes to lawn maintenance. here's something i think you should really take a hard look at and answer this is a very good question this gentleman just sent me a text message and said ticks weren't as bad when obama was president oh no kidding <laughs> <laughs> but oh a bang, and I figured you two would like that. Geez, this they, would be the one they, hour we could avoid lean politics. Way to the left. All right, listen. Uh, another one. It says, "Good morning." Last year, I planted a southern magnolia, and the cold winter browned some of the leaves. Will it hurt the tree? Anything I could do? This is Jim from Claysville. Yeah, southern magnolia. Oh my not gosh, a, not a good idea unless it's some kind of special variety I don't know about. You know, they're they're very rare in our area. You know, you can. I think you can count them on one hand how many southern magnolias you have, and it, people kind of know where they are, and you know, and no one knows why they survive. Uh, so, yeah, let's just wait and see, see how it does. Yes, it's, 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 it's tough, tough winter for a southern magnolia. Yeah, and it's they're typically not hardy at all this far north. I do think there's a variety, though, that's slightly more hardy, but I think it's only hardy to, to like, zone 6, um, which is not the minus 20 degrees that we had uh, this past winter. So I think probably you're lucky it survived at all. It's not a great choice for here. Let's go right back to the busy phone lines. Here's Fran in mm, Harmony. Fran, how you doing? Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. Radio. Thank you. I We planted, had 
them planted, 12 arborvitae trees, small ones. They, they're, real, they're pretty small, a couple feet high. And there's, that was in the fall. Now, we, I want to know, they're starting to dry up and die, but I would like to get them all started again. Uh, how, what can we put on them and do to make these arborvitae trees small uh, uh, go again? They're, they're starting to dry up at the bottom. Yeah, so that's not a good sign when arborvita no. start to do that. Um, and since they were planted last fall, did you water them through the remaining part of the fall and the winter and then into early spring when we had dry spells? Were they regularly watered well? Actually, no, we didn't water yeah. them well. We didn't water them because we felt there was enough water coming in, where, uh, you know, the snow and the rain. We didn't do that. Yeah, normally when, when you plant a new plant, especially in the fall like that, um, you do still have to make sure that you water it. A lot of people think plants, you know, only need water through the summer, but we when it's a, little, a new specimen like that. a little dry spell there. We did. Before the rain started. Yeah. Oh. So that's number one. I would, you know, tell you to suggest that um, if they are starting to brown on the bottom, I'd also think about if you maybe have a male dog that is coming around. No, we don't. No, we don't have anybody. Nobody. Nothing. There's nothing down there. Okay, because sometimes you see that happen as well. So I think probably it's a combination of transplant shock and uh, you know poor irrigation or lack of irrigation at planting time and beyond. So usually, really, with new plants like that, it's a full year sometimes two depending on the conditions where you have to we dig around them like each one around them and turn the soil and put the water in like that no you should not disturb the roots um in any way because if it has started to form some small fibrous roots out you know out of from that root zone you don't want to disturb those i would get a layer of mulch on there maybe one two inches thick of mulch and then make sure that you water well all right all right can i ask one more real quick there was about 50 Rosa Sharon's big six. They were there 70 years taken out. And there's stumps, about 50 stumps the whole way down. Do you have a quick, easy way that's not expensive on take, making those stumps? We, we did cut them down close, but they're still real. They're there. The stumps from these trees, Rosa yeah. How do you, do you know how to get them down away? I would rent. I would. You can rent. You can. I would rent a stump grinder. Um, I think that's since you have so many of them and they're so large. Um, unless you have a way to dig or pull them out, a stump grinder. It, Which is you know, not going to be quick, fun, or easy for anybody. I don't know. I. I mean, I haven't worked one, but I've seen lots of. No, people No, no, I don't do mean them. that. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you had to dig them out. Oh no! If you had no, to dig, yeah, take, yeah, get that stump grinder and go to town. Yeah, you can, it's kind of like. Uh, I think it's a super fun opportunity to use a piece of power equipment and who doesn't love that so that's what i would do vroom vroom all right ladies and gentlemen uh why don't you tell us what you guys are doing here in the minute that we have before the break anything coming up with i know jess you're going on the road i am i'm going to be at sorgles on may 17th at 7 p.m talking about container gardening i'd love to see you there uh it's cost five dollars but you get a coupon for five dollars off of any garden center purchases and i was just there the other day they have lots of great plants so would love to see you there. You can uh, sign up at 724-935-2090. And love your violets that are in your lawn because mine are looking great. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're right at their peak right now. I got a bunch in my flower beds. I got them so everywhere. Pretty. I love it. And they are the only larval host food for the fritil- for a number of species of fritillary butterflies. So they should be cherished. Yep. What else is going on? No, nothing. Just enjoying the garden season, getting out there, doing a little weeding, doing a little bit of planting. You know, my greenhouse is filled with uh, all sorts of great stuff. 
We've been using this as Including those dandelions? Yeah. (laughs) Doug gave me two flats of plants last week. Did he? He did, which was very lovely. And I got them home. And a few days later, I went to go plant them in the garden. And I saw this one green. And I was like, what the heck is this? I don't... It looks like some kind of lettuce, but kind of not. And I took the tag out. And it has this little chicken scratch on there. And I sent him a text with the picture of the tag. I said... Does this, this say dandelion? dandelion? <laughs> he said, yes, yes, it does. I said, do you want them back? And I said, no, <laughs> plant them. They're not like uh, perennial dandelions. They're like a chicory. Yeah, it's still not going to happen. Why, though? I no. don't know why. They're uh, just a, a green. I don't like I don't like dandelions. Mm, they're good for you, I'm too. I'm sorry. I mean, I like them. I, they're in my lawn, and I love them for the pollinators, and I don't worry about them there, but I don't want them in my vegetable I, I remember one year, Jessica said that you, sunflowers are like people smiling at you. Okay? But it doesn't flower. Right. That's I know. The thing. It doesn't but now, flower. Now I don't go out in my yard because I'm paranoid. I think they're like looking they're at me. They're watching you? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not going to be spreading dandelions, though. It's just a green that won't flower. You are really like... He won't I give just, up I just, on that. I will come that. to your house and enjoy your... You make me a lovely dandelion we got to do this quick, but I was talking to the guys from True Value yesterday. No matter how much you do the great, you know, Jonathan Green, which we love, you can't really totally prevent, like, crabgrass dandelions. And it's it's okay. I think sometimes people get caught up. They want it to look like the 18th Green at Augusta. I mean, you have to understand, Mother Nature is Mother Nature, oh, right? Dandelions are great for the bees. There's no doubt about that. We have taught you something after all of these years, Listen, Rob. That I, was music I'm not to another pretty face. my ears. Go ahead. Finish. That was, that was music to my ears to hear that. Because what we call a quilted lawn, I mean, there is so much to cherish about that. And there is nothing wrong with having clover with having some creeping charlie which the bumblebees love i mean this is a mixed habitat we should not have a monoculture and it's crazy how obsessive people get about their lawns life is too short yeah indeed it is you got if that's all you have to worry about uh, come on listen this is the longest (laughs) i have let my yard go without the first cut in my 61 years on this earth i finally have gotten to i mean i used to be so just OCD about it. Now it's to the point where I just don't care anymore. It looks good. It's yeah, fine. You know, it's fine. somebody's it is fine. In, the bunnies are enjoying the weeds. Let them join. The, the bunnies love the clover, and yeah. they don't eat my plants in my garden because they're too busy with the clover. It's all good. L- ladies and gentlemen, it is 28 minutes after the hour of seven o'clock. CBS Radio News, and then more. Doug and Jess, and that great gift certificate from the great people at Janoski's, where they open today at eight o'clock on Route 30 in that great community of Clinton, Pennsylvania. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, before we get to talking trees, Todd Shabandi on the disc of 2 to Pittsburgh News Line with Doug and Jess. We'll take the 10th caller right now to win a $25 gift certificate from the Janoski family at Janoski's in Clinton. They open every day at 8 and they're there till 7. Need to uh, be the 10th caller, 412-922-1020. We are talking trees with our expert from Davy Tree. That's Todd Shabandi. We're talking all about solving your tree's most common leaf problems. Todd, how are you this morning? Hey, good morning, all. How are you this morning? Oh, we're doing good. What's going on out there as far as trees? What's the latest thing that you've been seeing before we start on our uh, standard questions about leaf problems? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, before we start on trees, real quick, I just want to say uh, to Rob's point, I actually have uh, plenty of pollinator habitat in my yard, and it's, it, there's uh, no lack of forage for the bunnies as well. So uh, no, there's plenty of plenty of uh, flowers out there and dandies. <laughs> so. Excellent. Good. We're glad you're on board with all that, Todd. 
Absolutely. Uh, lots of issues with trees right now. Uh, one thing I want to point out, uh, we monitor the growing degree days uh, associated with the growing year. Um, if you're not familiar with that, get an app, find out where we are. Plants, insects, diseases don't go by uh, dates. They go by the amount of the growing degree days, and that's, there's a scientific formula behind that. So one of the questions is, why does my tree only have leaves on one side or just the top this time of the year? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's something we've been seeing a lot of. Uh, a lot of trees are behind as far as pushing out foliage. Um, there's a lot of flowers out there, but not a lot of leaves. Uh, and the further north and east you go, we were in Indiana County uh, earlier this week. Boy, the trees are almost uh, completely devoid of leaves at this point in time. So what happens if you have a tree that is leafing out, but there's some branches that are not developing any leaves at all? Do we just give it more time, or do we call in the experts right away? Yeah, uh, call call immediately. Uh, that would be my suggestion, only because if there's something else going on, maybe there's a root-related uh, issue, uh, girdling roots, I know we talk a lot about that, something, uh, you know, abiotic stress that may be causing some issues with the tree, uh, excessive water runoff into an area, you know, uh, things like white pines. They don't like wet feet. They don't like to be in a wet area. Maybe you have some slope change or something. So certainly it would be worthwhile to call. And there's some fungal issues too, right? Some sort of like verticillium wilt and things like that that can exhibit as that type of situation as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Verticillium okay. wilt. Uh, there's some anthracnose, dogwoods, uh, the red buds. They have some cankering diseases. So um, it's always better to call. Even if you think it's a silly question, it's always better to call and just say, hey, you know, we're, we're seeing some issues. The tree was in full leaf last year. It's, you know, mar maybe marginal this year, maybe 50% or less definitely give a call. Um, we can do an examination and find out. Maybe the tree's just a little stunted by this year. Last year at this point, we were at 355 growing degree days. This year, only 211. So we're really behind the behind in the season. Wow. Big difference. Big difference. What, uh, it's, it's surprising. What if tree leaves have bumps, spots, or brown? What can people do? Yeah, that's those are uh, a lot of times it's nothing to be concerned with. There's a lot of insects that will cause uh, some galls um, if there's little bumps on there. But brown spots, certainly that's, uh, that could be a, a reason for a quick call to your arborist. Um, say, hey, I have some uh, brown on the leaves. A lot of times we'll see things like fire blight starting to form or, um, so again, some anthracnose. There's some brown rot on cherries. Um, first course of action, always, always, always make sure we're, we're watering and fertilizing properly. This time of the year, we don't have to worry too much about water. Uh, we have plenty of water in the ground, but certainly fertilization is going to be a big part of that process. Except yeah. with new plantings, which we had talked to somebody earlier about. If, if it's a new planting from last fall, you still have to make sure that you Ad, make sure it gets adequate moisture. Yeah, great point, yeah. Jess. Uh, if, you, if you have a watering bag, a gator bag or something of that nature, please leave it on there through the season. Let's get uh, you know some great deep uh, watering in there. Deep, infrequent waterings, always best. Are you seeing anything else regionally with the weather as far as the trees are concerned? Well, I will say the magnolia trees have blossomed and they look fantastic mm -hmm. this year. It seems like every year we get, we get hammered with some frost um, and, they're, and they don't flower. They're really doing well this year. Uh, we have seen some issues with things like verticillium wilt, 
uh, causing some maybe more extensive problems than we've seen in the past. Uh, there will be some fungal-related issues. It's still early, in, in my opinion. We're still a little early to see, you know, some of the real nasty diseases like fire blight pop out. So. Yeah, I, I have a, a comment here and that may lead to a question, but I've actually been quite worried about baby birds this year because they are hatching now and will be hatching. And sure. there's such little foliage out on the trees. And as you know, all baby birds are fed insects and yes. primarily caterpillars. And one single brood of chickadees requires 9,000 caterpillars to be raised wow. to maturity. That's and amazing. What happens in a year like this? I always think, like, what happens to the, those baby birds if their parents can't find adequate forage because the the, the plants are so far behind? And don't so, you think that though the hatching is behind too? Or what will it be or not? Well, a lot of that is also dependent on day length, right? And so yes. the breeding season is day length more so than temperatures. Yeah. So they they start that instinctual nest building and mating and nest habitat and all that stuff based on day length. So, you know, and so that that has me very worried for these birds. And so I think it's important, too, to mention to people that some amount of defoliation on a tree and spotting caterpillars on a tree is not always automatically cause for pesticide application and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because agreed. Yeah. Just like just like having a couple dandies in your lawn, you know, not necessarily reason to be out there treating it. <laughs> right. And that's something you guys right? when you call in an expert, you can say, hey, there's this is this damage is unacceptable. We're risking the tree. Let's let's do something about it versus, yeah, you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. I mean, you guys are the professionals that know, right, that can Absolutely. say that. Absolutely. And the other side of it, um, what is the threshold for damage that is going to be unacceptable? It, it depends on the tree. Um, some trees are, are more tolerant. Like if you have a crab apple that has, uh, you know, uh, eastern tent caterpillar damage in it, chances are they're going to recover from that. So, you know, if you have a mimosa webworm in a honey locust, you know, that may be a little more dramatic, especially if it's over the patio. You know, they're dropping in your in your uh, mimosa as you're sitting out there <laughs> drinking. <laughs> there's, there's an issue there, you know. So we may want to take a look at that and uh, potentially have a, a, a protocol in place to have those guys uh, you, taken care of. You know, Jess, with your question and comment there about the birds, I wonder, as a tree climber, do you encounter birds or nests or birds that are mad that you're near their nest or anything like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Uh, there was a, a property we worked on several years ago where there were red tail, red tail hawks nesting. Uh, they don't look for boating from the ground, but when you're 10 feet away from them in, in a tree uh, when they have hatchlings, that's a little more of a different story. So <laughs> oh, they, my they gosh. Look, they don't look real happy that you're there. <laughs> I All right, Todd, not. as always, thanks so much uh, for coming on with us. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, Go to www.davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and guess who is back? It's time for Mrs. Know-It-All. She's a grower, horticulturist, and our own garden goddess, Denise Schreiber. How are you this morning, Denise? I'm good. So we're talking about magnolias, one of my favorite trees. 
So I actually have three different types of magnolias growing. One is Magnolia cuminata, and her name is Elizabeth, and I talk about her as if she is a human. (laughs) She gets these gorgeous, gorgeous yellow uh, flowers in the spring. They have a citrus scent to them because most magnolias don't have any scent to them, but this one actually does. Um, So she's just about done blooming. And then I have a couple of the little girl series, which are more shrub-like, and they have shades of pink and purple. And then I have a southern magnolia. Um, The one I have is Bracken's Brown Beauty. And that and Elizabeth, I'm sorry, Edith Bogue, are actually supposed to be more hardy for us. Now, mine also got a little brown on the one side where it gets a lot of wind, and that's usually the problem. The tree will come back because someone, I guess, texted uh, Mm -hmm. a question about it, and it will come back um, if it's a possibility that if he could move it to a more protected area, that would be helpful if it's small enough to be moved. Mine is about 10 years old. It's not going anywhere. Um, but it has survived uh, probably the first couple of years when you put them in, if you're putting in a southern magnolia. I would give it a little protection if you're in a windy spot. But other than that, and they get these beautiful big white flowers mm-hmm. on them after the leaves are out. So it kind of looks like a bouquet. Yeah, and that's that's amazing that there are some that are hardy here. I mean, the, the, that the, can make it. Yeah, and there's you know, like you said, there's some that um, are just there. Yeah, you know, there's one in Swissvale that's just you know huge and there, and it wasn't anything special, and it just somehow made it. Just somehow made it. Yeah, that's crazy. I have favorite magnolia too. In case anybody cares, mine is Virginia magnolia. And I've got one called Moonglow that is amazing. Just about to ask. Yeah, I know you were. I saw the curiosity on your mind, smart Alex. So this is your call. You have two calls. Yes. Four text and two dollar bank. Who goes first? Oh my gosh. Uh, I think we better start with text. Yeah, let's bring them out. So important in our lives. Terrible. (laughs) Green giant Ibravetti or Vidi, whatever the heck it is. Three years old, watered well, fence didn't green up like the others. Has now turned yellowish brown. Please help. Bad sign. Yeah, not good. Yeah, especially when you have a line of them like that. And Flat one line. of them, yeah, yeah. one of them is not doing well. Uh, it's sort of a, a poor sign that there's something up with that one. And that's that just like people, right? Like your immune system. Sometimes you have a plant that even though it's the exact same cultivar, um, it, you know, it doesn't have as good of genetics and it doesn't survive a winter or it or ends anom- up with a root issue. Yeah, or, anomaly in the soil. Exactly. And that's a case where since you have an established hedgerow like that, I would call Davy Tree on that one and have one of their arborists come out and take a look and they can run some tests and see if there's they come out for free a pathogen issue yeah you know have, have them come out and assess have it them take a look at it all right one more text then we'll go to the phones it says uh, light green stuff growing on many many trees in the area what uh, is it don't worry about it it's called lichens it's natural no worries it's not a fungus it's beautiful <laughs> yep let's go to uh, joanne in whitehall on kdk radio good morning joanne good morning i have Two questions real quick. Crepe myrtle, when's the best time to prune that? Once it starts to leaf out, and this is what I do with mine, and it's not leafed out yet. And sometimes it's not till June till mine starts to produce new bud growth. And that's when I do that pruning to prune off. Um, Crepe myrtles bloom on new wood, so you don't have to worry about cutting off the blooms for this year. Um, Wait till it starts to bud up and then cut off whatever is dead and does not have new buds on it. 
Okay, the other one real quick. I'm putting mulch around this year because of the deer. I thought I'm not planting anything. When I put it next to perennials and annuals, do you keep it off the roots area like you do with bushes and trees, well, or do you put it right up, up against it? You keep it off the stems. We never want never want the mulch to be touching the stem on on anything stem or trunk just more along the root zone but not touching the plant thank you very much thank you how does your crepe myrtle do mine or yeah. are you talking to me uh mine does good i mean i i got one of the varieties and i i'm unfortunately don't remember the name of it but that is technically marginally hardy here some years it dies all the way down to the ground and some die, years you know it only dies back halfway and i just cut off the dead growth um, it blooms beautifully, usually pretty late in the season. But, yeah. I mean, it's not something I would normally suggest to people because it is marginally hardy. Yeah. But I thought, hey, I'm going to go ahead. Boy, Somebody they, gave it to me. I'm going to give it a when try. When they bloom, it's spectacular. It is. It you is. guys have some great listeners. Mine just say, you stink. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you got seriously, these are good dollar bank instant access messages. Harry Louder, Filbert, whatever the heck that is. Uh-huh. 20 years that died of Eastern Filbert blight. We, oh. we bought a red dragon. Jessica's like all heartbreaking. Uh, That's heartbreaking. Blight resistant uh, filbert to replace it. Can we plant it in the same place without risk of blight? Oh, that is a really good question. I wouldn't. Yeah, even yeah, that try and put it somewhere else, man. Even though it's a resistant cultivar, I would not push it and risk it um, at all. I would try to choose a new spot. Several. I mean, I would say. Gosh, at least 10 feet away from where uh, the other Harry Letters walking stick was. That's so sad when you have a plant like that, because that is a plant that definitely gets better with age. And you have this really cool, funky, twisted structure and for 20 years. And then to have to take that out, that's sad. But you have a resistant cultivar to replace it. So that is the good news. Funny thing is, I just got a text from one of our listeners. They say you stink, too. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that your, your your mother still listens to the program. Uh, listen, you know, I couldn't agree more, to be quite honest with you, after today. Uh, what a morning it was. I have a red bud seeding growing. They just love the president. Seeding growing among daffodils. A rabbit nipped the top. Is it worth moving it, or should I simply get rid of it? Oh, it's hmm. worth moving yeah, a it? Yeah, red bud seedling, sure. Heck, yeah. A lot of times they will do just fine, a little rabbit nip off the top, because uh, they will, you know, brand from there and so then you'll have a, a branched structure tell me your tell me your nickname for red buds though i have a nickname for a red you bud? sure do you call them dead buds oh yeah because a lot of times they do <laughs> remember the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.